Hour number two, let's get it. Welcome back to Chad and Zay on the Horn, 1049-1019 AM1260. Chad Hastings, still out of town. I am Zay Collier, and it's going down. Cameron Parker in the building. Follow him on Twitter, Cameron D. Parker. Follow me on Twitter at ain't that underscore Zay. And this might be one of the best Texas of the day. Quit being an apologist for that B-ass, classless, neon Dion Sanders. Problem <laughs> is it that Venables called him out. It's cowards like you and other fake mouthpieces that won't do the same. I said that Dion was wrong in a way. I definitely said that. I just don't think it was cool for Brent Venables to throw him out there. That's all I said. Well, cool. Appreciate you. That's what the Specs text line's for. Appreciate y'all. Love the hate. I appreciate the hate. In other words, say you don't have Brent Venables' fire hose fully inserted in your <laughs> mouth. Yeah, I don't want that. that. That's something that I don't want. But but you have Dion's though, apparently. Yo, man, that high step's legendary. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Dion must have torched their teams back in the day. Might have been a Miami fan, maybe a Florida fan. We know Dion was the man at Florida State. I don't know. Maybe they were, you know, a fan of all the other teams in the NFC South during the Atlanta days. We know he got rings with the 49ers and Cowboys. So I get it. Dion's out there. He's a different type of character. But, you know, when he played, he was great. So I, I can't knock that one bit. But, yeah, it's been a fun day already. Hour number two, getting it cracking. And we are going to the Vicaros Cafe and Cantina hotline this guy is kind of a big deal always comes on with us every wednesday he's a east texas legend on three sports inside texas justin wells what's up man hey now good to hear your voice day uh, i missed you guys last week and so i i woke up this morning hoping i would get that call from you pre-production because uh it's just not the same when I don't get to chat with Zay Collier on Wednesdays. I know, man. I, likewise, man. I definitely missed you. But we know you're one of the busiest guys out there. Again, all types of Texas Longhorn coverage. You do a great job, and you've always been great to me, and I appreciate you, man. By the way, well, you, you got the Big 12 Media Days on Thursday, correct? Yeah, yeah. I was in St. Louis. I was doing some recruiting stuff earlier in the week and so I didn't care I only got the second day of Big 12 media days okay now I know Ryan Wingo is from St. Louis is that anything that you know is that you know is that why you were down there or was it for other reasons oh man it's always about recruiting that's the only reason (laughs) and uh, I was fortunate enough to hang out with Ryan for the day I got to see his family got to got to hang out with his coaches and his teammates and um, it was it was a great experience, you know. You know, I I like going on these trips and and really getting a deeper dive into the player, really getting to know the kid, getting to know kind of where he comes from, their backstory. The best way to tell a story is to go and get it. You got to go get the story. And so, uh, made the trip up to St. Louis, hung out with Wingo and that group. Uh, Texas is squarely in the mix. They have they've done a tremendous job. Steve Sarkeesian really started the, the relationship with he, he laid the foundation and then Chris Jackson has come in and been tremendous he uh, he took one day out uh, in, in the spring where Jackson came to East St. Louis University High where, where Wingo goes to school and spent the entire day there wow he went to classes he went to te- he talked to teachers 
He talked to coaches. He waited for after practice. He, he, he watched practice. I mean, he did everything Ryan Wingo, and it, that really resonated with, with the on-three industry ranking five-star. He's a tremendous talent, about six two and a half, probably 210, 215 pounds. Texas squarely in it. Tennessee is one to watch. He really likes that offense. He really liked watching Jalen Hyatt take home the bullet in the cough last year. And ultimately, I asked him, what's going to be like one of the, if not the biggest factors in your decision? And he said, wide receiver play, wide receiver production. And if Texas has any shot, and they do, it's going to be what Xavier Worthy puts on tape and A.D. Mitchell and Jordan Whittington and Isaiah Nayor and Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore. I can go down the roster. It's going to be that production. It's going to be that playmaking ability that's going to help Ryan make that decision on December 20th. Hey, Justin, you just mentioned this commitment date, December 20th. Do you think there's any chance that Ryan may see the production from Texas or another university and be like, all right, that's my school, I'm going to commit early? Or do you think he's a guy that's probably going to be one that's going to be locked in until that December 20th commitment date? That's a great question. I even asked him about it. I said, you know, ideally, how would you announce it? And he said, you know what? I would. It would be the last day of school, the first day of the signing period, I would go to the ceremony, commit, pull out the hat, get in a car, drive to the airport, get in a plane, and fly to my new school all in the same day. That's the wow. ideal situation for Ryan. And, 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 you know, it's funny because he's such an introspective type kid. He has a lot of insight. But he also left the window open. And he said, you know, I could wake up and just know where I want to go. My heart will tell me where I want to go, and I'll make that call. He goes, he goes, right now I'm planning for it to, you know, to stretch out the season because he wants to take a few more visits. He's going to be at Texas A&M in late July. He wants to take an official at Miami. He's got some buddies down there. He may make a return trip to Tennessee. And so he still wants to take a few visits. But, yeah, he, I think he's going to stick with that date. But he did leave the window open a little bit for the possibility of an earlier decision. And so right now, and that actually benefits Texas. The longer this thing plays out, the more it benefits Texas because the more you see production on the field in 2023, you're going to start seeing more of these offensive guys start to drop. And I think Wingo, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked if Ryan Wingo is at the Red River shootout in mid-October. Just putting that out there. Uh, Red River rivalry. Excuse me, Jay Wells. Red River rivalry. You got to get that right. You got it. (laughs) Negative. Oh, that's why I love you, man. (laughs) That's why I love you. I I like the old school, too, man. Let's keep it OG. That's where it's supposed to be. We're speaking with Justin Wells inside Texas on 3 Sports. Follow him at Twitter, Justin Wells 2424. Jay Wells, Sark said at the coaches' clinic this past week that it's all about celebrating Texas high school football coaches and you just said it's all about recruiting and Sark building those relationships even with the transfer portal being what it is he knows how important it is to develop these relationships with these high school coaches so you have good relationships with their players how have you seen him progress with these relationships with these high school coaches compared to maybe a Tom Herman or a Charlie Strong that's a great question, Zay. You know, his personality's just different. Um, Charlie Strong was a really good recruiter. He was a very kind of a, a simplistic way of recruiting, but he, he, he cut right to this chase and he didn't play around. He was very transparent. 
and it, and it really it, it went well. He was a player's coach. Uh, I thought Charlie was a tremendous recruiter. Uh, then you had Tom Herman, who he, he was he was a decent recruiter. And I'm not so sure about how good he was at the relationship side of it. I know he was good at the X's and O's. I know he was good at, at building a roster, uh, a physical, you know, competitive team. But I, I don't know how well he developed those relationships over the years. Uh, not as good as Charlie did, and dang sure not as good as Mac Brown. Steve Sarkeesian, he's he's really grown on these coaches because he's so transparent and he's so open and and genuine about what he wants. You know, he's not going to go into a school, offer a kid, and then ignore him for the next three months. He's going to build the relationship with the kid. He's going to build it with the recruiting coordinator. He's going to talk to the parents. Um, That's something Sark does really well. We have yet to see how his offensive prowess is going to be viewed. This is going into his third year, and so – this will be the year that we see this offense really take the lid off. They want to go vertical. They really didn't have the guys to do it the first two years. They have it this year. And so I think when, when, when he's selling to these players and to these Texas high school football coaches, look, he wants the majority of these kids from in-state. There's no reason not to. But at the same time, he's a national brand and a national power. You have to you got to go nationwide like ZZ Top. you got to hit California, the modern-day school. you got to hit Florida. you got to hit the southeastern region, especially when you're 12 months from joining that conference. But at the end of the day, he understands the, 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 you're going to make hay in the state of Texas. If you're going to be dominant in this state, you're going to have to get a good chunk of the talent that's here. And I think he's done a really good job with that. Just, just getting closer to the to, to these coaches. He was close to the guys on the West Coast. He built some relationships in the SEC region, you know, when he was at Alabama. And now with that he's been in Texas a couple of years, you're seeing if I go into a high school, these coaches like Sark. And I can't say the same thing about the two previous head coaches. Sometimes I go to places where they didn't necessarily like him or they didn't necessarily see eye to eye or they didn't like the way an offer was handled or recruitment was handled. I don't ever hear anything about that with Sark. There's no, there's no put his feet on the desk and ask for a cup of coffee that we had heard from, from one of the previous coaches. Sark is more laid back. He's more down to earth. And that's the beauty of this season coming in is these coaches have a quiet confidence. You saw it at big 12 media days with the players. There's a quiet confidence there. There's a lot of growth there. And I think the more that happens, the more the program gets better, the more you see on offense, the more what Sark is selling to these kids in state is going to be magnified. And I think that's how you build it. It's not just telling them how you're going to do it. Now you got to show them. And I think the way he's handled kids and relationships is really good because word of mouth and recruiting means a ton. You know, you're recruiting two of the best offensive linemen in the country out of modern day, Brandon Baker and DeAndre Carter. They're very important. You know who else is important? The next class, 2025 running back Jordan Davidson, one of the best in the country. 2025 wide receiver Marcus Harris, one of the best in the country. And so that word of mouth is just as valuable as, 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 as what you try to put on the field. And I think Sark encompasses all of that. One guy, Justin, they've been selling hard to is Colin Simmons, the five-star defensive edge from Duncanville here in the Dallas area in Texas. He's a guy that just tweeted out today, Justin, that his commitment date is coming soon. It felt like possibly he was going to wait till the end of the season, kind of like Ryan Wingo, but maybe that's going to change, huh, Justin? 
Yes, that's going to change. Um, and inside Texas, we, you know, after the official visit, nobody in the state of nobody. Hold on a second. Got the weed eater right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they would go right by my window uh, when I'm when I'm talking about the most important recruit in the 2024 cycle. Um, after that official visit, I'm telling you, like nobody had a better time in Austin than Colin Simmons. I mean, nobody. Wow. And. And, and, and it, it, I think it, it put – Texas was already up at the top with LSU and with Ohio State and with a little bit of – and Texas A&M in the mix. And I think it actually gave them a lead. And now you have to look at it like, okay, he had talked about wanting to take this decision to the end of the season. He wanted to be thorough. He wanted to take his time. A lot of times the five stars, that's what they want to do. They have that leverage. They have that – they don't get expired offers like most offers. Kids don't, people don't understand. Most offers to regular players are they have expiration dates. They, they didn't have that. Colin Simmons can do what he needs to do. And he made it clear to, to more than a few sources to inside Texas, that decision's probably going to come this summer. That decision's probably mm. going to come pretty soon. And just like that, he tweeted out this morning, got an announcement coming soon. And so – just don't be surprised. He's a guy that that, that understands. Sark and this, this staff has been incredible at recruiting every position on the field except edge. That's the one spot they haven't really hit an elite guy in the last couple of cycles. Colin knows this. Colin knows he can come in and be that final piece. Last year, Texas was one of the best defenses in the country at getting pressures on the quarterback. They weren't as good at getting to the quarterback. They were, they're getting closer, but they need to close that gap. Colin Simmons is the gap closer. He knows that. He relishes in that. His family loves the Texas staff. They love that proximity. And remember this, nobody recruits players harder than other players. Colin Simmons grew up with Jonte Cook and Anthony Hill and Manny Muhammad and Jordan Johnson Rebell and Corey and Gibson. These guys all played together, and they all know each other from the Metroplex. And they, to me, are the most important recruiters of all. Not surprised that a decision could be coming quick. It really goes along with what we've been reporting. And so at this stage, if you're a Texas fan, just uh, be prepared. While we wait on Colin Simmons' commitment, Justin, Dontre Robinson will be announcing his commitment less than 24 hours. The four-star 2024 defensive lineman, six foot three, three fifteen. He's a kid, Justin. That if Texas commits, he could be a key to that interior defensive line, right? Oh, no question. You know, last year they only took one defensive lineman, Sadir Mitchell, out of Bergen Catholic up in New Jersey. Now, Sadir is a ginormous human. I mean, he, he equates to like two and a half normal humans, but it's only one player. You got to stack that roster. And I think the big mission in this class was, hey, in 12 months, we're going to be playing in the SEC. We need to have an offensive line and a defensive line that looks like they're from the SEC. And that's exactly what they're trying to do on the D-line. They've already got Alex January, the six foot four, 320-pound D-lineman out of Duncanville. They've already got Melvin Hills last week, uh, the six foot three, 275-pound defensive lineman out of Lafayette Christian Academy in, in Louisiana. DeAndre Robinson would be the third. And, and it looks like the number's going to be four. It looks like that's, that's the number Bo Davis wants. Because don't forget, not only do they kind of have to restock in this 2024 cycle, that D-line, you got a lot of guys that, that could be, you know, ahead of them that could be leaving. You got Devondre Sweat, 
that's going to be playing in the league. You got a Byron Murphy that can leave early. You got an Alfred Collins, a Vernon Broughton. I mean, they've got some real talent there and a Trill Carter that they brought in from the portal that's going to be a valuable depth chart, depth piece. And then don't forget, Bo Davis doesn't like these guys taking more than 25, 30 snaps a game. He likes them to be fresh. He likes, he thinks they're better when it's in a rotation. And so that's why I think the number's four. I think that's why DeAndre Robinson is so important. You know, this is a Florida kid. Sunshine State grew up loving the Florida Gators. He grew up an hour and a half from their campus. Florida is the team that Texas is battling here. And just remember, whatever he decides tomorrow, and we just posted the decision preview at InsideTexas.com. Be sure and check it out. I made it free for the masses. Whatever he decides on Thursday, the recruitment isn't over. <laughs> just let me, if for some reason he picks Texas, Florida is not going to relent. It's kind of similar to last year with C.J. Baxter, the running back out of, out of Orlando. You know, he, he was one that he committed early, but Florida State kept on and kept on, even though he remained strong and wound up signing uh, at the end of the day and enrolled early, they kept coming at him. I can see something very similar happen with DeAndre Robinson, no matter what he decides on Thursday. And, and I like where Texas stands right now, but we'll let him, we'll, we'll let him you know, make that announcement tomorrow evening. Florida is not going to stop. Yeah, Jay Wells, until those guys make it on campus, that recruiting should never stop, especially in this day and age of college football and recruiting. We're speaking with Justin Wells inside Texas on three sports. You know, Jay Wells, I, the, I feel like the University of Texas is the only school in the world where you know who the starting quarterback's going to be, but – there's still talk about the backup quarterback, which all of, you know, national media will be talking about with Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. And what we saw in the spring game, a lot of people are thinking, okay, Malik, he should have the upper hand. And Arch, this is what was ideal coming in, him maybe redshirting. But with what Sark said at Big 12 Media Day, that's clearly not the case. That QB2 battle is very open. It's it's open, and then it's kind of open. You know, what's he supposed to say? you got to remember that. What's he supposed to say? Yeah, we, we, we've already anointed Malik. You know, Arch, you know, he had a rough time in the spring game, so we're just going to let him redshirt. You can't tell – you can't say that because, truthfully, you don't know if that's going to be the case in the summer. You know, this summer those guys are working out. Those guys – and let me tell you something. They are all friendly. In, in the last couple seasons, there's been a quarterback room in Texas where the guys weren't always liking each other. There was, you know, a particular quarterback in the last two years that really kind of poisoned that quarterback room. Now you're at a stage where they all like each other. They all pull for each other. They all help each other. You know, Arch Manning came in one of the most prepared high school quarterbacks you're ever going to see. And you still see how much he has to work to get to that Division One game speed level, competition level. To me, it's Malik Murphy. It's Malik Murphy until it's not. I think Malik Murphy has earned it. I think he has put in the work and the development. You know, Sark, people talk about Sark getting these big, big-time quarterbacks, but you got to talk about the development. Malik Murphy is a prime example of Sark taking, taking a, a quality developmental guy and turning him into a monster. And this is a guy that it's well-known probably could have left at the end of the semester and, and went to greener pastures to potentially start. But Malik is not like that. He loves Sark. He loves Texas. He loves that locker room. And unless something crazy happens in the fall, Malik Murphy is going to be your backup quarterback in 2023. 
Jay Wells, one more before we let you go. I know we're holding you a little longer than usual. I know you're a very busy man. Never too long. Man. <laughs> Never too long. No three-second lane in the paint. <laughs> I dig that. I dig that, which that's a good segue to what I'm trying to talk about now, Coach Terry and this basketball team. It seems like with Ethio Horton coming from UCF, it looks like this team could get back to really being competitive and making some moves when March comes around. Do you like how Coach Terry and his coaching staff have built this roster, and are you satisfied with it? I'm very satisfied. Listen, you know, Rod, Coach Terry took it on the chin he, right after the, the, the Final Four. You know, he, he gets the extension. He gets the interim tag taken off. He gets that full-time gig. And then two weeks later, Ron Holland ruins everything. And it's just like, and people were down on Coach Terry. And, and those are people that don't understand the, the nature of high school basketball, college basketball, pro basketball, and, and the way things go. They don't understand how that, how that works. And Ron Holland is a rare, rare talent. You can't knock Coach Terry for that one. That's going to happen. What did he do? They just went back to the drawing board. They went into the portal, and they found some guys. And you know me personally. A team is gonna, a team's success is going to be predicated off their ball handlers at the college level. If you can shoot and handle the ball, you're going to be in every single ball game. Bringing on Oral Roberts point guard Max Amos was ginormous. Getting Tyrese Hunter back, even bigger. These are guys that can handle the ball. They can distribute. Tyrese has a little ability to kind of create his own shot. But essentially, you have ball handlers, and they still have guys that can shoot the ball pretty well from the outside. I think it's going to be the, the, the big thing for me is Dylan Mitchell coming back because we saw him flash last year. And people thought, well, he was a five-star. He should have played more. You don't understand the game. He, that wasn't part of him being he, – he was never a big scorer. He was an athletic big that was a great defender that had an offensive game that needed to kind of mature. He's worked on shooting in the offseason. I know when, when they had the NBA camp stuff, he was one of the better shooters out there. And so I think Dylan Mitchell is a guy that people may have forgot that he's still going to be there. And so I give Coach Terry a lot of credit. I'm satisfied. As long as they brought in a couple more ball handlers and a couple guys that could shoot the ball, that's what keeps them competitive. That's what keeps them uh, get that momentum from that, that, that elite eight run. And, and the fun thing about Coach Terry is that, you know, like I said, Ronald Holland was a bad beat. That, that, that just burned on, on every side that you can. And that's going to happen from time to time when you recruit the top five and top ten kids in the country. But Coach Terry, didn't, he didn't bat an eye. They just went back to the drawing board. They went to work. They found some guys that they could, go, they could get in the portal that could contribute. I think the roster's filled out nice. I think they've got a good, a, a good chance at a decent class coming in with 2024. And I love the Cooper flag offer here recently. I, you know, that recruitment's got a long way to go, but, but he's dipping his toe into that one. He, he's, he's giving some chance into that one as well. And so for people that wanted to kind of knock on Terry a couple weeks after he got the job, I, I, that that seemed a little premature. That seemed a little silly because, yeah, you, you lose a, a, a Ron Holland. You lose a Trey Johnson. That's part of that college basketball recruiting. But Terry didn't fret. They went back to the board, and they filled out the roster. Now they get to compete in what is going to be really competitive Big 12 conference in the 2023-2024 season. Yeah, U of H coming into the conference is going to be really exciting. The last year for the University of Texas. That is Justin Wells inside Texas on three sports. Follow him on Twitter at Justin Wells 2424. Jay Wells, we appreciate you, man. Thanks, Justin. Zay, Cam, always a pleasure. Nothing but love. 
Absolutely. That's my man, Jay Wells, East Texas legend. And yeah, Cam, I'm excited about this basketball team too. I, you know, Coach Terry, Jay Wells is right. He got a lot of heat from a lot of different ways. Right after that game ended in the Elite Eight, everybody was wondering, okay, he got the job, but he inherited Chris Beard's team. Can he get his guys? His record at Fresno State and UTEP are kind of like Steve Sarkeesian's, you know, like what has he proven? And he's built a roster that's going to be very competitive and I think it's going to make some serious noise once March comes around. Yeah, I think anytime you look at a, a team that's had – success one year with a new coach and then have kind of fallen off, you kind of go back and say, well, I guess that first year he didn't have his guys, right? He had the old coach's guys. That's correct, but remember, Rodney Terry played a big part in recruiting a lot of those players, including Serge Jabari Rice, a lot of the guys the recruitments he was involved in. He was the primary recruiter because Chris Beard basically said from the beginning, RT, I want you to be the guy who handles the recruiting trail and I'll focus on the team. So a lot of these guys really are also RT's guys, but what he's done this season after you know losing Holland and Johnson, and honestly, like say if you, I mean you're in high school, you played high school basketball. If you get offered six figures to go play professionally and you want to play in the league. Yeah, you're taking it. I don't want to play college basketball. I don't want to go to class. I don't want to be up at 6 a.m. to take media law. I don't understand why people are upset at at RT when, hey, these kids want to play NBA basketball. They don't want to go to class Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and study. They just want to hoop, right? It's a a move we're going to see more and more and more, especially, especially with the G League, too, after what we've seen from Scoot Henderson already. But besides that, for RT, I mean, the, what he's done, he's built a lot of athleticism, excuse me. He's got depth, and I feel really good about this front court as well. Yeah, the front court, I'm so excited about. If you think about these guys playing big with Dylan Mitchell maybe at the three, definitely has to improve his ball handling, but he could definitely do that. And, you know, his shooting, it definitely has to improve, and I think it is. But you think about him at the three, Dylan DeSue at the four, Caden Shedrick at the five, Zarek Oyema coming off the bench, Alex Anamekwe, you got him coming off the bench, which I think he's going to be underrated. Yeah. Like, he's going to be fighting for the men. It's going to be tough, but it's gonna you know he's gonna be fighting for Mendes because he's just too athletic coming out of the Dallas area you still got Brock Cunningham coming back he might be 30 years Again? old oh yeah he's back but he you gonna give you what Brock gives you and that's toughness that's heart and that's leadership and when when Brock's hitting that three that the team looks completely different so the front core they're big they're gonna be physical they're gonna be athletic they're gonna be skilled and you gotta have you have to win in multiple ways to win a national championship if you look at all the teams that have won it, they've had great guard play. If you stop the guards, they were able to throw the ball inside and get buckets from their big man. And I think this team could do that. I like Ethio Horton. He could flat out shoot it coming from UCF. We know Max Acemas is an absolute dog. He's lit up college basketball, even though he was at a mid-major uh, coming from Oral Roberts. I think Tyrese Hunter has a huge chip on his shoulder. Because he had that slump last year, and with him being one of the you know Leatherman guys coming back, his leadership his responsibility is going to go up, and I think that he's going to prove a lot this season in a way that he didn't last year. Just you know, adjusting, adapting to the Chris Beard situation. Now Rodney Terry taking over, coming from Iowa State to Texas. I think Kendall Weaver is going to be good. I think Chris Johnson is going to be good in the long run. I am very excited. About about this Texas basketball team. Yeah, my two questions when the season ended was who's going to take that role of Marcus Carr? Because remember, 
Marcus Carr hit a lot of very clutch time buckets down the stretch to win a lot of games. And they, I think RT found that guy in Max Aismas. I know he played mid-major. The guy is still a bucket. He is still a bucket. The next piece was, all right, Jabari Rice, you know, he was probably the second best player in the team besides Dylan Lassoe in the tournament. I think who's going to— Overall, if you say the whole course of the year, 2022 and 2023, he was the best player yeah. and most consistent. Yeah, Body, yeah regular season, I, I agree with you, Zay. Who's going to fill that void? I don't think it's going to be one guy. I think RT kind of went out in the, in the portal, and it's going to be a multitude of guys. You mentioned Kendall Weaver. It's going to be Anyema. It's not going to be one guy. Now, how do they gel? Because I think last year, well, after the moves that Chris Beard made in our team, I thought the, the ceiling was a Final Four team. Now, for this year's team going in, what do you think the ceiling is for the roster that our team and his staff have constructed? I think it's the same. Same Final thing. 14. Yeah. Absolutely. But it feels like less hype for some reason, which I think is a good thing for it Texas. Is. It's definitely a, a good, good thing, thing right? especially with U of H coming over. Everybody's going to expect Whoa, Kelvin man. Samson's yeah. team to do big-time things. So. We, we've, we've heard about those scrimmage games, the closed-door scrimmage games. Yeah, now, now we're going to get to see them for real. You're right. You're right. But shout-out to Cameron Parker. Thank you for co-hosting today. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron D. Parker. Chad Hastings on vacation. I am Zay Collier. This is Chad and Zay. We'll be back on the horn. Chad and Zay. Welcome back. Chad and Zay on the horn. 1049-1019 AM1260. See Hastings out on vacation. Cam Parker filling in for him. Co-hosting. Follow him on Twitter, Cameron D. Parker. Follow me on Twitter. Ain't that underscore Zay. Cam. Got anything here? This is a classic. I know you've heard. Is it. this the Four Seasons? Yeah. Frankie Valley. Okay. So they got some bangers. They have some absolute bangers. Now this is seventies, right? No, so this, this is like sixties. Oh, sixties. Okay, so I'm this really up. makes sense. It's either sixties or seventies. It's ain't eighties. Because Frankie Valley is that. Hi, hi, hi. See, I, I can't do it because I don't. My, my balls yeah. drop. But uh, <laughs> they, he has that. You're, yeah. Yeah, December 1963. Yeah, man, that's a good funk right here. I like this. December 1975. Actually, so I, you were right, Zay. It is the 70s. I thought it was the 60s, but it is, it is the 70s. Yeah, yeah. They're going back in the 60s. References December 1963. Oh, what a night. But, yeah, I, I get it. Nothing like no nostalgic music. Oldies, classics. I, You know, I never gave you my answer for... My favorite era of music, 60s will probably be least favorite. Okay. Which I'm I, I don't think I've heard 90s is enough. number one for you? Um, No, R. Kelly really messed that up for me. <laughs> <laughs> R. Kelly messed a lot of things up for a lot of people. Yo, if R. Kelly wasn't R. Kelly and just made great music... And was it toxic as hell in prison for all the nastiness and sliminess that he done? Then 90s, probably, yes. Well, I can't listen to them. Yeah. So are you done R. with Kelly. R. Kelly? Like, can't do yeah. it. Can't do it. Yeah. Ever. Which makes me so mad. Like, you know how mad I was that I couldn't play Ignition Remix at mm. my wedding? Like, he took that from us. Mm. And, I mean, you can play it, but I like to think I have a heart. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I like to think, I know I say some crazy stuff. I be wilding out here. But I draw a line, Cam. And R. Kelly, I can't do it. Sorry. Can't do it. You'll get like a minute into that song and people will realize it's R. Kelly and they'll <laughs> stop dancing. Yo, I, like, uh. I've been at weddings where R. Kelly was played. And I took my ass right off the dance floor. Yeah. And there was a few that followed me. And we all gave each other that look of, hey, respect. Can't do it. Some people don't see it that way. That's fine. They're, they don't come, They don't put two and two together or they try not to, you know, make it relatable, whatever. Again, to each his own. I can't do it. Sorry. Are you there with Kanye or Michael Jackson? Oh, man. See, I, at one point with Michael, I was because they had an HBO special yeah. where the kids that, yeah, that was you tough. know, he apparently abused, they were talking on there, but they took that off. And I think they took it off because all those things that were going on might have not been true. Yeah. So Michael, we know he had his faults and stuff, but that's yeah, I that's a little tough for me too. Kanye, yeah, we still play Kanye every day, every day. <laughs> I don't care what he says. <laughs> See, how like I, I know he's crazy, and I he says something that he probably should, that no one should ever say. But I mean, you you can't get past. He is probably one of the most creative geniuses ever to walk this planet when it comes to music yeah true that true that so yeah kanye i, I yeah it's I, I feel myself but like should i be playing this but when i hear the uh, uh, uh yeah good morning yeah on, you know graduation and stuff and late registration all especially with how come on man with how bad the rap game is right now and there is just no good new hip-hop being released like kanye is getting played more and more you're not an uzi guy I like Uzi. Just did not tape. like his last pink tape. No, it's weird. It's a little yeah, rock and roll. It's, it's There's rough. some jams. There's some, but I wasn't ready for the transition from trap beats to uh, heavy metal. Yeah, on Uzi. that, that yeah. was not ready. for That's it. his vibe, though. Yeah, that's Uzi's vibe. Like Yachty, all those guys, they're different, man. Yeah, Yachty's out of the rap game completely. Stop. Apparently, right? Because now he just he just makes kind of like EDM type beats music, right? That's what know. I've heard off his new album. Interesting. Yeah. Took the walk to Poland. Yeah, no more. Yeah, no more. Uh, what was the Minnesota song that he did? And one night, all that, all that stuff's gone. Yachty's moved on. That's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. But appreciate Cameron Parker for joining me today on this Wednesday. We are 45 days away till Texas football. 50 days away till the NFL season kicks off. Let's get to the Flex ATX segment. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. And Cam, you saw this guy all year long calling Round Rock Dragons baseball games. Got drafted by the Nationals yeah. last week. Travis Sakura, get that bag, young man. See, it's kind of like what Jay Wells talking about with Ron Holland, which we all know. Like, you can't be mad at Coach Terry Ron Holland for going to the G League route and not coming to Texas. Just like you can't be mad at Travis Sakura saying, you know what, Coach Pierce, I appreciate what you do down there. I'm from the area. It would mean a lot. But this money is different out here. So, see ya. 
major leagues. I know he has to go through the minors and work his way up, but hey, shout out to Travis, man. That's big time. Yeah, his asking price I heard was between about, you know, 2 and 3 million dollars and he got it. 2.6 million dollar signing bonus from the Nationals, uh well above that slot where he was picked 71st, about 1 million, but the Nationals, you know, they picked uh Dylan Cruz in the first round and Morales the third baseman for Miami. So they knew that they would have some money that they could use more on Sakura, And it worked out for him. And, and congrats to Travis. He's got that fastball that can get up to 101 miles per hour, 102. Uh, he's a nasty kid on the mound, but he's a great, even better human being off the mound. He just uh, comes from a great family. Uh, he, he's a felt, very respectful guy. And he's going to develop in that Nationals organization. He's not going to be a kid that probably is going to be they're going to push him through the system aggressively. They're going to, you know, let him work on his slider and his changeup, maybe a fourth pitch, not sure. But he's a guy that a lot of people projected him as possibly the best prep uh, pitcher out of this last year's class. How mucked up is this? I just had the hardest chemistry test of my life. Now I got to go face a guy that's throwing 101. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, that ain't what high school is supposed to be about. Them the memories that you don't want, man. Like, that's, that's, that's where you could get traumatized. Like, I get it. If you had to face Travis Sakura this year and you were in the box, salute to you just getting in the box and dealing with the heat that he was throwing because guys in the show ain't touching that. I won't forget the season. Uh, Ron Rock played Maynard in baseball, and Maynard did not get a hit. I don't think they had a hit against Travis or, or even a, a walk. No bases, I guess, rather. But they hit two balls in play. Both were outs. They still celebrated going back to the dugout. <laughs> Because they were so ecstatic that they hit a ball from Travis Sakura. That tells you how good he was. There, there was multiple kids who these are great athletes, right? Who oh would they gosh. after a strikeout, they just look back to the dugout laughing because it's like I, I can't hit this because you know there's a lot of great you know high school pitching, but you don't face high nineties that much. Probably and a lot of these kids probably have never faced it except for going against Travis Sakura. So it, it, it was always a, a joy to see Sakura. You know the the uh, reactions that he would elicit from uh, opposing players. Yo, man, that's just, that's that's hilarious. That reminds me of the Dream Team back in 92 when they were beating the brakes off yeah. everybody in <laughs> Barcelona, the, and then the guys were trying to have pictures and get autographs. Like, Mike, Mike, okay, yeah, y'all beat this by 70, but I need that John Hancock, bro. Like, come on now. And I get it. Sometimes when you're around greatness and stuff, sometimes you just got to keep it real with yourself. Like, hey, this guy out of my league he's clearly going to be a pro one day like yeah i i feel those maynard guys i i, I feel them i dig it and, and the reactions from from michael jordan you know who's this, this all-time competitor seeing the guy he just crushed ask for his picture because mj would never ever even think about asking for a signature from a guy who just destroyed him on the court and now here's mj dealing dealing with that during spain that I I'll, I could never get enough 1992 Dream Team content. Oh, it's amazing. Books, movies, whatever, they, I can never get enough of it. Since it's summer and nothing's really going on, they need to just play those games. Yeah. Like, I know the USA FIBA team, the 2023 FIBA team, yeah. that's going over to, uh, I don't know, they're in some Asian country. I don't know exactly. I think Philippines, different parts. Uh, but they that team is getting ready to go. Indonesia. Pl- Indonesia. Indonesia. Okay, yeah. appreciate that. They need to bring back just hardwood classics, all of those games, because that team, they just play with people. 
Like it was a joke, and it changed the way basketball is yeah. today. Like it put people on, like Tony Parker, Pau Gasol, Manu Ginobili, like all of those guys grew up watching the Dream Team with Michael Jordan, and Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Magic Bird, like the iconic players on that team, and Christian freaking Leitner. I still don't know how he made that team. That was a serious <laughs> muck up. Because like, Isaiah Thomas. No, that's that's, that's so why. ridiculous. That's like why. bring Shaq Diesel in. I get it. Christian Leitner and Krzyzewski, he was on that roster. So that makes a little bit more sense. But still, that's that's an absolute joke. Don't sleep on Canada. Oh, yeah, I know. Don't yeah. sleep on yeah, Canada. Yeah, we got to get to break. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about in maybe the 3 o'clock hour. That's Cameron Parker. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron D. Parker. I am Zay Collier. Follow me on Twitter. Ain't that underscore Zay. Chad Hastings is out on vacay. This is Chad and Zay on the horn. Chad and Zay. I mean, come on, man. It's the king. How, how do you beat this? I get it. He was foul. Did some things. Were they true? Were they not true? Hanging the baby out the window. I get it. But when he was saying, boy, these hits, classic. This entire album. Chad and Zay on the horn coming back with Michael Jackson. I am Zay Collier. Chad Hastings out of town. Cameron Parker in the building. It's been a fun day already. Got an hour and some change to go. And let's get it. Where are we at? Where are we at in society today? Oh, Cam. Another petty story. Let's go, baby. Getting blown Let's up go. once again. Draymond Green Woo! was on Patrick Beverly's podcast, which, talk about some <laughs> characters there. Draymond Green and Patrick Beverly, like, both of their podcasts are terrific. Both of them are great personalities. Both of them are cut from the same cloth. You know, if you're not on their team or if you're not a fan of their team, you probably think Patrick Beverly and Draymond Green are a little bit dirty. And I get it. I understand that. I really can't argue, you know, especially you as a Thunder fan, Cam, like you've experienced Patrick Beverly in different, you know, different light. Draymond with his kicking and... All Colin KD. Yeah, Colin KD stuff. Him going, when he's on his team, them fighting over one another. And then Patrick Beverly, just all the stuff that he brings to the table. But Draymond was on Patrick Beverly's podcast. And Patrick Beverly asked him about the Jordan Poole situation. If you don't know, which I've been under a rock, Draymond Green, before the season even started, gave Jordan Poole that two-piece and a biscuit and basically knocked him out, and that kind of just put a dark cloud on the Golden State Warriors for the rest of the year. I'm not saying that's the reason why they lost in the second round to the Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of that had to do with Andrew Wiggins having his uh, time off, leave of absence, Steph Curry being in and out the lineup, and Draymond Green thing with Jordan Poole. Obviously, like a lot went down for the Warriors not to repeat from 2022, but Draymond talk to Patrick Beverly on why he punched his lights out. Take a listen. I don't just hit people. 
dialogue, of course, happens over time. And you, you usually ain't just triggered by something like that fast, you know, right. to that degree. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nobody on my team triggering me, you know, in, a, in an instant. You know, we know stuff that you don't say amongst men. You know what I'm saying? We, we you know, we know, you know, things that you have to stand on. Okay, so he really kind of didn't give us much there, but we've all you've heard the rumors from rapper Cameron and Mace's show, which they got sources to. I'm not saying that they don't, but Cameron and Mace, they are different when it comes to this media game on how they look at media. They can be very out of control, so you got to take a lot of what they say with a grain of salt, but it came from them first about – Jordan Poole talking crazy to Draymond, calling him out his name, saying he don't get no women like Jordan Poole. I think talking about his family situation like that. And if that's what Draymond's referring to on there's things that you got to stand on, things you don't say as a man, then Jordan Poole did cross that line. And the way that Draymond was talking, Cam, he was basically saying this that wasn't the first time. I, yeah. I didn't – it wasn't like all of a sudden I just lost it that day. Like, it's been different situations where Jordan Poole probably rubbed Draymond the wrong way, whether that's not being locked in to warrior standards, going out. Because we know Jordan Poole, he likes to have fun. He's a goofy guy. You know, he he's a character. I've seen different clips of him doing some real questionable stuff <laughs> on the bench, like, you know, putting his tongue out and stuff. Just He's a different type of cat. So when you got guys like Draymond, who got it from the mud, hard nose, and Draymond's a Michigan State guy, Jordan Poole's a Michigan guy. So if Jordan Poole's saying stuff about the rivalry like Draymond Green, the way that he looks at Tom Izzo, that's basically his dad. I don't know his pop situation, but Tom mm-hmm. Izzo – He's very close in Draymond's life as a dad-father-like figure. So Michigan State spent all four years there. He owes a lot to Michigan State and Tom Izzo. So if Jordan Poole, knowing that, and him being a Michigan guy, has pushed Draymond Green's buttons, which I'm not – I'm not justifying what Draymond Green did at all. Like, he shouldn't have punched anybody, but Michael Jordan did punch Steve Kerr once upon a time, Mm. and we don't say nothing about that. Yeah, We, We don't say nothing about that. No, Draymond's a prideful guy, so don't underestimate the Michigan-Michigan State impact on that at all. And also, I think the contract part is probably the biggest thing. I think you know Draymond's a really prideful guy, and Poole got that contract. Draymond didn't get his contract yet. I think you know that kind of pissed Draymond off a little bit. And you know, we heard what Cameron said. I, you know, I think there part of it was that you know apparently someone. Uh, Paul said to Draymond, or maybe it was the other way around, they're going to be in Sacramento next year. Yeah, the, little, I think Paul said that Draymond, yes. Yeah, because of, because of the contract and all that. So I'm sure there was a, a lot of deep-seated maybe resentment because of the colleges and also the contract. But at the end of the day, you can't punch your teammate. You can't, Draymond, you are a veteran. You've been a, a huge piece of the Warriors dynasty. But also, look back to probably the two biggest ill-fated moments of the Warriors dynasty. It's the 3-1 loss, which stemmed from Draymond getting too many technicals because he was out of control. And like, yeah, that's how he plays. Sure, that's how you play. You don't have to kick people in the nuts all the time. You <laughs> don't have to. I play basketball probably once a week. I don't kick people in the nuts. I don't do it. And the second part is the punch because I think a big part of the Warriors' season this last year because they looked disjointed. We mentioned the Wiggins part. But when you punch your own teammate, like you're not going to have a lot of trust. So 
Draymond, I know Golden State, they, they re-upped him with this big contract, which I thought was a good move, but I just don't see how, no matter what you say, like, take it offline. Don't punch your teammate. Yeah, and the difference between Jordan punching Steve Kerr back in the day, cameras weren't around. I don't even know how media handled that back then, yeah. if they even did. Like, with Phil Jackson, knowing him, like, he probably said, hey, this stays within the locker room. Don't say nothing to nobody about this. This is just team stuff, which uh, that happens all the time. Like, when you're going against one another, all these guys are alpha males. These guys are competitive. Like, things could get very heated, but I agree with you, Cam, especially this day and age. Like, there's cameras everywhere, and the person that put that video out, they're messed up. They probably don't have their job anymore working for the Warriors. But, yeah, Draymond, you cannot do that. And Jordan Poole, his dad actually had something to say about those comments. He went to Twitter. Anthony Poole, he said, I stand, oh, I'm stand on this. That is some BS. Wow, Anthony, we gotta get that. We gotta get that correct a little bit. It's all right, dog. You're you're a little emotional Lost right now. Lost some brain cells yeah, reading I this think, tweet. Yeah, so. I think he was a little too hot to realize that grammar's a little off. JP was his guy, and he avoided me all last year. He is a soft ass B, and I'm standing on this. And he didn't apologize to me and my wife. So he lame, and me and him can meet anytime Ooh. he wants. Fighting words, Cam. Pops saying, don't disrespect my boy. You can get it anytime you want. Now, Mr. Poole, I don't think he owes you an apology. I mean, if you're around a lot, back, you know, backstage and stuff in the locker rooms, which all the families usually are, and I'm sure Draymond's family's back there too, you probably should go up to the parents because you're going to see them a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, and that could be awkward and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Poole, I apologize for what happened with your son. We're just being competitive. It got too heated. I am sorry. But obviously that didn't happen, and Pops coming to his son's defense. I could appreciate that. I, I love when NBA parents get involved in the NBA drama. It's it's the best stuff ever. I mean, this league, is it's it can be so stupid at times when you have Draymond Green and Jordan Poole's dad getting into it. And we talked about earlier off the sh- off, uh, outside the show, Zay, was a, a fake NBA account tweeting about drama between mm. Draymond and KG and quotes that KG said about Draymond. Draymond thought they were actual quotes from KG, tweeted at KG, and KG said, Draymond, it's a fake account. Fix this, Elon Musk. Like, I mean, you can't. We're 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 on the we're in the craziest timeline right now. Zach. Yeah, you got to be careful. Butt crack sports, they can get you. Like all <laughs> yeah. of those bootleg uh, sites and bootleg pages on Twitter and social media. You got to be careful because people out here are talking crazy. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, Cam. And I've had a lot of fun today. But we got an hour left on Chad and Zay Cameron Parker in the house. Follow him on Twitter, Cameron D Parker. I am Zay Collier. Follow me on Twitter. Ain't that underscore Zay. Chad Hastings out on vacation. This is the horn.